Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. This year will be on Parshas Truma. And I would like to discuss what the Gemara calls the Shlesha Zerim. The Gemara in Meseches Yoma, Daf Ayin Beis Amid Beis, points out that in the Mishkan, there were Shlesha Zerim. There were three crowns. I, uh, give that, uh, I give that translation tentatively. We'll see more about that later. But there were three Zerim. There was a Zer, there was a sort of a crown on the top of the Oren, the Oren HaKodesh. There was a sort of a crown on the top of the Shulchan, the table for the Lechem upon him. And there was a sort of a crown on the top of the Mizbeach HaZohob, the golden Mizbeach that was used for Keturus, for burning incense. Let's begin with the first one. Near the beginning of the Parsha, when the Torah first commands uh, some specifics about how to make the Mishkan and its Kalim, so the Torah says, Viasu Arain Shitim. They will make an Arain, they will make a box out of Shitim wood. A Masayim Vachetzi or Ko. It will be two and a half Amas long. The Amma Vachetzi Rachbo, and one and a half Amas wide. The Amma Vachetzi Koimaso, and an Amma and a half tall. Let's continue. Vitsipisa Oso Zahov Tahor, and you will coat it with pure gold. From the inside and the outside, you will coat it. The Asisa Alov, Zerzahov Saviv. And you will make upon it a Zerzahov. Again, I will translate a golden crown, Saviv, all around. Uh, very famously, uh, Rashi tells us that uh, means that really there were three boxes. There was a plain wooden box, and a box made of atzei shitim. Inside of that was a box, just a drop smaller, made of gold. And outside of that, outside the wooden box, was a box just slightly larger, also made of gold. So if you have the three boxes, one inside the other, inside the other, so it comes out, you have a wooden box, which is coated with gold on the inside and gold on the outside. Why Rashi had to say it that way, rather than some other method, that's not our discussion now but just to give a picture. Now, that's what it means, mi bayas and mi that you make these three boxes. The asisa love zerzahov sabiv, what does that mean? What is that adding, that you should make a golden crown? So Rashi says, kemin keser, it's a sort of a keser, the word keser definitely means crown. Makif saviv lisvaso, it goes around the lip of the box all around in all directions, and it extends above the lip of the box. So if the lip of the box is here, but the, this there goes a little bit higher. Rashi now explains that the, the builder made the outer box taller than the inner box until it went up to be parallel to the thickness of the kapiris, which was the cover that sat on top of the box, or the malahimenu, and even higher than that. 
So it extended up above, even a little bit higher than the kapiris. When this kapiris, when this cover sat on the thickness of the walls of the box, so the zer went above, it went up above the entire thickness of the kapiris, a kolshu, a little bit. This is a simon, this is a sign of the cheser hatayra, of the crown of the Torah. Now, a general principle, which I've mentioned many times, is that Rashi does not usually discuss Tamei HaMitzvahs. When the Torah commands something, Rashi does not usually pause to tell us the reason. And we've explained many times why Rashi does not usually pause to tell us the reason. It's not because he feels the, the, the commandments have no reasons. I can prove that because on occasion he does give the reason. So you see that he doesn't feel that the commandments are without reason. The re, the, but the, why Rashi doesn't stop every time and pause to tell us the reason is because that would be something that's beyond shot. That's something beyond the simple meaning of the Pasuk. If the Pasuk doesn't say the reason, Rashi doesn't say the reason either. And so here we have to ask, why does Rashi give this, why does he add this little explanation of uh, what is the, why is there, was there a zer zahav saviv? Why was there a zer? Why was there a crown around the, the, the edge, extending up a little bit above the rest of the orin? And Rashi tells us because that's a sim in the Kesaratera. That's a sign, that's a symbol of the crown of the Torah. Of course, what's inside the orin was the Luchais and also a Sefer Torah. So obviously we're in the right place to, to be making uh, symbols about the Torah. But why does Rashi have to point that out? It's not his, not his uh, method normally to pause and to stop and to tell us the Tam HaMitzvah. And I think the answer is as follows. As I mentioned, the word zer, it's not a word of obvious, its translation is not obvious. It could have a different meaning. And in fact, we find amongst the Mepharshim, we find the Chizkuni, and others who say that Zer Zahav Saviv has a completely different meaning. The Chizkuni explains that what was the Zer Zahav Saviv? The Chasos Esvasei Shalmala Saviv. This was to cover the upper edge of the wooden box all around. Because when the builder coated this wooden box with gold, from the inside and from the outside. By the way, it's not clear from the Chizkuni if he understood that there were three boxes or it was just one wooden box with gold plates somehow attached to it. It's not clear, he doesn't specify. But that's a parenthetical remark. But he says, when the builder covered this box from the inside and the outside with gold, but now the top, the thickness of the top of the box was still not covered. And the wood appeared from there. The wood was, was, uh, was evident. If you could stand on top and look down, you would see 
the wood on the top of the box. And that's what it means, Zer Zahav Saviv, that in addition to the coating on the inside of the box and the outside of the box, you also coated the top so that the wood should not be showing at all. This is a, uh, a reasonable explanation of the Pusik. I think we can say that this is an explanation of the Pusik that Rashi would have considered. Of course, he didn't know about the Chizkuni. The Chizkuni lived uh, a couple of hundred years approximately later than Rashi. But the point that the Chizkuni is making, the explanation of the Pusik that he is giving is something that needs to be considered. And I think Rashi considered it but he rejected it. Rashi begins his comment here by saying, Zer Zohov, Kimin Keser. The first thing Rashi says is, Zer Zohov means it's like a crown. What do I mean like a crown? A crown is something that sits on the top and extends up, it extends above. Whereas the Chizkuni says this Zer is something that was just flat along the top. It's simply a very uh, thin coating along the top. But Rashi begins by saying, Kesser, it's a crown. And I believe that that's why Rashi concludes, after here Rashi goes through, he explains exactly what this looked like, this crown, and that it extended up above the rest of the orange. And then I believe that he brings a proof. He's quoting here a little piece of Gemara in Yoma, but who simin the Kesser HaTzairah. Why does Rashi add this on? He wants to show you, I'll prove to you I'm right. Well, at least I'll support myself. I will support my opinion that this zair was a sort of a crown because the Gemara, the great sages of the Gemara said that it is a symbol of keser ha It is symbolizes the crown of the Torah, in other words. And if the Chachamim say that it symbolizes the crown of Torah, it makes most sense to say that it looked like a crown. And according to the other way of understanding the Pasuk, it didn't look like a crown. A little bit uh, more in depth, uh, what, is the, what is the point of Machlekes between the Rashi and Chizkuni? Rashi seems to understand that the word Zer is like the word Nezer. There are some of Hashem who say that uh, according to Rashi, Zer is like Nezer, which means a crown. The Chizkuni, perhaps, had a different uh, etymology for this word of Zer. And that is that we find in Parshas Kisisa, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain with the Shnei Aluchais, and he sees the people have made a, a golden idol, a golden calf, and he was not too uh, pleased with that. So what he did eventually is that it says, Vayitchon Adasher Dak, Moshe Rabbeinu, ground up this golden idol, Adasher Dak, until it was very thin, until it was just little thin pieces like dust, by Yizer al and he spread them onto the face of the water, and then he made the people drink the water. What does it mean by Yizer al So the Rashban, and it seems the same way from Chizkuni there, they say it means Vayifazer, he spread it out, he, he sprinkled it, spread it onto the water. He spread this dust onto the water. And I, perhaps we could say that the, the Chizkuni understood that the word zer is from the same root. It means to spread out something. 
So here you have this flat surface on the top of the Oran, small, very narrow flat surface, which has not yet been coated with gold. And it says, make for that azir, meaning spread the gold out in a flat surface on there also. This, um, this difference of opinion between Rashi and Chizkuni, I think we can see it two more times. We can do it, we can see it by the other two Zerim that are in the Parsha. We find by the Shulchan, let's go down to Pasuk Chav Gimel, by the table that held the Lechem upon him. So let's read a couple of Psukim over here. You will make a table of shitim wood, it will be two amas wide, two amas long and one ama wide, and an ama and a half tall. And now it says, you will coat it with pure gold, and you will make for it a zer zahav all around. Now, what does Rashi say? Zer zahov, simen lekeser malchus. Rashi says this zer is a sign, it's a symbol of the keser malchus, of the crown of royalty, of kingdom. Shash, now what does is, what is the shulchan have to do with royalty? Um, we understand what the Aron HaKodesh had to do with Torah, because it held the Torah. What does the shulchan have to do with royalty? Because a shulchan is a name, a shulchan is a symbol of wealth and greatness. Like people say, shulchan malachim, the table of kings. So the zer zahov, the, um, again, Rashi seems to give a reason why there had to be a zer zahov around the shulchan. And again, that's that's not his usual manner. But I think we can say here again that the, why is Rashi quoting this Gemara from Yuma that the Zer Zahab of the Shulchan was Sim in the Kesser Malchus? Because he wants to show you that it, was a, that it was like a Kesser, that it was something that began at the top and extended up, that it extended up above the tabletop. Whereas Chizkuni, if we look here in this Chizkuni, we see that he follows his, his mahalach, his, his, uh, his way of looking at things. He says, V'tzipisa oso zahov, you shall coat the table with gold, milamalo milamata, from above and from below. In other words, when we say table, essentially we mean the tabletop. You will coat it on the top, you will coat it on the bottom. V'yadayin hoyu p'nei oivi eitza shulchan nirim, but still, the thickness of the wood of the shulchan was still evident, it was still visible. The thickness, you could still see it. Therefore it says, you will make a zer all around. I don't know if this is like the English word circle or not. I suspect that it is. This was to cover the thickness of the table. So let's say if, you, if my hand is the tabletop. So first you coat it with gold on the top and then with gold on the bottom, but you still have this thickness. So that's what it means. Zerzahov, cover that also. Again, we see the same difference of opinion between Chizkuni 
and Rashi. And I think the reason Rashi tells us that the Zer Zahav was a sim in the Chesar Malchus, the reason why he quotes that Gemara is to not so much because he wants to tell us that it represents Malchus, but because he wants to tell us that the Zer was in the form of a Kesar. It was something that stood up and went above the, the main item, which is the Shulchan. And let us go to the end of Parshish Tetzaveh. In the end of Parshish Tetzaveh, we have the mitzvah of the Mizbeach HaZohov. Here it says, Yasisa Mizbeach Miktar Ktoiris, he will make a Mizbeach for the burning of incense. Atse Shitim Taase Oso. Shitim would, you shall make it. The Sipisa Osov Zohov Tahor. You will coat it with pure gold. You will coat its roof, the top, and the walls, all around, and its horns that have little protrusions at each of the four corners. And you will make for it a a golden zer all around. Here too, let's take a look at Chiskuni and Rashi. Chiskuni says zer this is to cover the thickness of that board which forms the roof, the in all four directions. Because you have this square, you have this board on top. It's covered with gold because it says the Sipisa es gago, you shall cover its roof, but the thickness of it was not yet covered. And therefore it says, you make a zer zahav saviv. That's what it means, make a zer zahav saviv. You should cover this thickness. Rashi once again says, zer zahav simen keser kahuna. This is a sign, this is a symbol of the keser kahuna, of the crown of the priesthood. And again, it would seem that primarily the reason what, what pushes Rashi to hear or give a reason for the construction of this zer, of this zair is not because Rashi is uh, primarily interested in Tameh HaMitzvahs, but because he wants to tell you what this zair looked like. He wants to tell you, don't think that it's just a coating on the side, like Chizkuni says. No, it's a keser. A keser is something that protrudes, that extends upwards above the main item. This is all on what I like to call the technical level. I would like to discuss a little bit on the level of content, what Rashi says regarding the, the Shulchan, Rashi says that the Zer Zahav was a sim in the Chesar Malchus. Now, before we uh, go into it, uh, I should mention that even though I say, even though I contend that Rashi mentioned this because of a technical reason, he mentioned it because he wanted to tell you what the Zer looked like as opposed to how other Mephoshim explained it. But that doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that, that Rashi doesn't mean it. You can't just dismiss it and say, well, he just said it for a technicality. It doesn't count. If Rashi says it, then that's, that's Rashi's explanation, that the Zer Zahov, that the, 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 the crown that was on the Shulchan represented Keser I'd like to think about this a little bit. First of all, what exactly does this mean? I can understand 
that on the Oran HaKodesh, there was a Keser Torah. There was a, there was a crown-like ornament which represented the crown of the Torah. In the Oran was the Torah. And I can understand that, that uh, having a sign of Torah is, is very important in the Mishkan. I can understand, perhaps not as well, but I, I also understand that on the Mizbeach HaZahov, on the golden Mizbeach, there was a crown which represented the Keser Kahuna. Kahuna, I mean, the Mishkan is the, is the location where, where Kahanim work, this, this is their place, this is where they are, this is where they are needed, and this is where we, this is where we see their greatness. So I can understand that there was a symbol of the crown of Kahuna in the Mishkan. What exactly, why exactly do we need a symbol of Keser Malchus, a crown of kingdom? And whose kingdom exactly are we talking about? We take a look at the Gemara in Yoma, which is the source for all of this. So here it says, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, there are three Zerim, Shal Mizbeach, Vishal Oren, Vishal Shulchan. Interestingly, he puts them in not in the order in which they appear in the Pasuk. I don't know what the answer for that is. He begins with the Mizbeach HaZahov, which is at the end of Parshas Chitzaveh, and then he goes back to the Oren and the Shulchan, which are in this week's Parsha, Parshas Truma. Shal Mizbeach, Zacha Aren Untaloi. Birchanan says that the the Zer of the Mizbeach, which represented Keser Kahuna, was Zacha Aren Untaloi. Aren was Zacha, Aren merited to become the Kayan and the father of all future Kahanim, Untaloi, and he took it. No one else can be a Kayan now. Shal Shulchan, the Zer on the Shulchan, which represents Malchus, Zacha David Untaloi. So David Hamelech was Zacha, he merited to become the king and all future kings will be from his descendants. So he took that. Shal Orin and the Zer of the Orin, so it, which represents Torah, Adayin Munachu, it's still sitting there. Whoever wants to come take it, can take it. In other words, to be someone who has Torah, to be a Talmud Chacham, it doesn't depend on who your father was. You don't have to be a Kayan, and you don't have to be a descendant of David Melech. Any Jew who will apply himself to, to learn the Torah can become crowned with the, with the crown of Torah. Shema Tomar Pachosu. Maybe you'll say that the reason it's accessible to everyone is because it's somehow less important. Talmud Leimar, no, the Pasuk says, Be Malachim Yimleichu. In me, meaning in the Torah, kings will rule. So you see the importance of the Torah. The whole Gemara is very, uh, it's not a simple Gemara. I mean, there are Shlesha Zerim in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash. What does it mean that, for example, that Aaron came and took the Zer that's on the Mizbech? You mean it wasn't there because Aaron took it away? I mean, it's still there. So it's not 100%, it's obviously not uh, not to be understood on the simplest, most uh, materialistic level. And what exactly does it mean that the 
the zair that's on the shulchan was taken by David. Of course, there also, I mean, the zair was, it remained. Uh, the shulchan for all generations that there was a Beis HaMikdash had the zair. So what is exactly does it mean that David took it away? Perhaps what it means is that the zair on the shulchan represented was simon the malchus. It was a simon to malchus shemayim. It was an, a symbol of God's royalty, of God's dominion. David was zacha unitaloi. David took it, meaning David became, he merited to represent the malchus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on this earth. Just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the melech, the real melech above, but the Gemara says, uh, Malchus, Malchus da'ara, Damiel, the Malchus de Rekia, or vice versa. The royalty down here is similar to the royalty above, and the royalty above has some of the trappings. It looks similar to the royalty down here. So David Melech was Zeichev to take that symbol of Malchus Shemayim and to make it his own, meaning he became the representative of Malchus Shemayim in Kalah Yisrael here on this earth. So perhaps we can say that's what's represented by this zair on the Shulchan, that it represents Malchus Shemayim, it represents the kingship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that is something that we can understand why it would be symbolized in the Mishkan. When we look at other uh, Mepharshim, however, we see that uh, not everyone goes in this path, that's for sure. Maybe Rashi only was talking about the reason for the zair, but the reason for the shulchan in general, uh, we see some, some disagreements about it in the Mepharshim. If we look in the Sefer Achinuch, Mitzvah Sadi Zion, so uh, it's known that the Sefer Achinuch, Sefer Achinuch is a list of all of the 613 mitzvahs, and for each mitzvah, he defines what it is you, you need to do or not do. And he then gives you what he calls shorsheh ha-mitzvah. He gives you the roots of the mitzvah. He gives you what we could call a reason for the mitzvah. And here, he says regarding the, the shulchan, he says the following. Shetzivonu akel borachu mitzvah tmidis belechem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us a constant mitzvah with this lechem, with the breads that were on the shulchan. Constant meaning the breads were always there. They were changed once a week from an old old to new, but it's a mitzvah that was there constantly. Because on bread, a person lives. Therefore, it is necessary that bracha should be found in the bread constantly. It should constantly, constantly needs to be blessed. Because of our ASIC, because of our being busy to perform with the bread in the Beis Hamikdash, in the Mishkan, the Mitzvah Sashem, because we will occupy ourselves with constantly doing this Mitzvah of Lechem upon him and the Shulchan, so then the goodwill from Hashem and blessing from Hashem will fall upon our bread, that our physical bread that we eat, 
and it will be blessed in our innards. In other words, Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted to, to bless our food and to, to make sure to bless us with nutritious food, that the food that we eat should, should sustain us. But he wants us to do our part. What do we need to do? So we will do this mitzvah with the lechem in the Beis HaMikdash. Lechem is the ikar, and lechem represents all food. And we will, when we will do this constant mitzvah with the lechem in the Beis HaMikdash, Shorakadosh Baruch will bless, will bless the lechem that we eat. And the Chinuch goes on and on. He explains more and more about this. And finally, he concludes, however, by quoting the Rambam. Let's take a look at how he quotes the Rambam. Put it in color. However, the Rambam writes in Meir Nebuchan, in the Guide for the Perplexed, these are his words. The Shulchan and the matter of the bread being upon it always, these two mitzvahs, the Rambam says, I don't know for it any reason. Uh, the Rambam in the third section of Meir Nebuchim uh, gives reasons for most of the mitzvahs, basically all of them, at least in general. But he says, the mitzvah of Lechem upon him, he couldn't figure out. I don't know till today, I don't know to what idea I should relate it. I don't, I don't know how to explain the reason for the Lechem upon him. Very interesting. The, the Rambam was stumped by Lechem upon him. When we, we usually think about a mitzvah that no one can think of a, an explanation for, we think about Paradoma. We think about the Shatnes. The Rambam, uh, not sure what he says about Paradoma, but uh, where does the Rambam say he was stumped? He was stumped by the Shulchan in the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Why was the Rambam so puzzled by this mitzvah? So I'd like to attempt to learn a little bit of Meir Nebuchim. I am far, far from an expert on Meir Nebuchim. Nonetheless, uh, I think it's worthwhile to see a few points here, which will help us understand why the Rambam uh, couldn't, couldn't find an explanation for the Lechem upon him. First, let's take a look. The Rambam has a very, uh, very interesting and controversial approach to korbanos and the to the service in the Beis Hamikdash in general. The Rambam says that until the giving of the Torah, humanity was very dedicated to Avodah Zarah. People, all of humanity was quite dedicated to the service of idolatry. And they brought korbanos to idols and they served idols in a variety of ways. HaKadosh Baruch Hu understood that if he would come down on Har Sinai and say, stop, no more Avodah Zarah, no more sacrifices, no more burning of incense, etc., etc., no more bowing down, the people would not be able to accept it. They could not be able to wean themselves so quickly from all of these practices that had been so important to them. 
And therefore the Rambam says, he did not command us to give up and to continue all these manners of service. Shem did not tell us to stop. For to obey such a commandment, it would have been contrary to the nature of man, who generally cleaves to that to which he is used to, to that to which he is used. Kodesh Baruch Hu allowed us to bring korbanos to Hashem. He allowed us to burn incense for him, and so on. Here is here the Raman says, for this reason, God allowed these kinds of service to continue. He transferred to his service that which had formerly served as a worship of created beings and of things imaginary unreal and unreal and commanded us to serve him in the same manner. We should build him a temple. We should bring him sacrifices. We should, um, we should burn incense all for Hashem. We should give certain gifts to the servants in the Beis HaMikdash, to the Levium and the Kohanim. This is the general uh, approach of the Rambam to Karbanais. And he explains that since this is not really the primary object of these commandments, the primary object of the commandments regarding Karbanais and Beis HaMikdash is not because that's really what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants. It's really a way of weaning us away to eventually arrive at what he calls supplications, prayers, and similar kinds of worship, worship which are nearer to the primary object and indispensable for, indispensable for obtaining it. Since the korbanos are a sort of a means to an end, but they are not the end. Now that's a very controversial statement, but this is what the Rambam holds. So he says that the korbanos are somewhat limited. He says, we are not commanded to sacrifice in every place. As a matter of fact, we may not sacrifice just anywhere and in every time. We may not do it just at any time. Or we may not permit anyone who desires to become a priest and to sacrifice. On the contrary, all this is prohibited unto us. You can only bring a korban in a certain place in the base of Mekdash. You can only do it at certain times. You only bring korbanas in the daytime. And there are some korbanas only on certain special days. And not every Tom, Dick, and Harry can be a priest and, and, and make sacrifices. Only a very limited little group, the descendants of Aaron. So this is the Rambam's general understanding, his general approach towards korbanas. And he also says... He also says that uh, this is why you find that when you enter the Beis HaMikdash or the Mishkan, what's really the, what's in the Kodesh HaKadoshim? What's really the focal point? What's the holiest, what's in that holiest place? In that holiest place is the Shnei Luchais, is the, the two tablets upon which are written. What are the first two things written on the Luchais? I am Hashem, only I am Hashem, and lo and you shall have no idols. Because the whole purpose of the Mishkan, according to the Rambam, is to wean us away from Avedah Zarah by allowing us to continue certain practices that we used to do for Avedah Zarah, but now to do them for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there's like, so to speak, a big sign in the back of the Beis HaMikdash, a big sign that every, there's a big sign there. What's the big sign say? There's one God, no Avedah Zarah. 
That's why the Luchais are in the Mishkan. Now, the Rambam continues and he talks about some of the specifics of the Mishkan. He talks about um, that we were commanded to build a temple to the name of God and we place there the two Luchais which say, I am Lord and thou shalt have no other God before me. He talks about the purpose of the Kruvim. I'm not going to go into that now. And then he says, uh, he talks about the menorah. He says a candlestick was then put in front of the curtain as a sign of honor and distinction for the temple, for a chamber in which a continual light burns hidden behind a curtain makes a great impression on man. And the law lays great stress on our holding the sanctuary in great estimation and regard, and that at the sight of it, we should be filled with humility, mercy, and swift heartedness. So he explains the idea of the menorah. This, this uh, adds to the impression and to, to that the, that the Besamiktish will make upon us and it will increase our humility and mercy and soft heartedness. And then he says, the use of the altar for the incense and the altar for burnt offering in their vessels is obvious. It's obvious why, they were, why there was a Mizbeach for the offering of Korbanais. What does he mean obvious? Well, that he already said. He said that the purpose of the Mikdash was so that we should be able to continue doing certain practices that had been done for idolatry, we should be able to continue and do them for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there has to be a Mizbeach for Korbanes, and there has to be a Mizbeach for incense, for Ketzeres. But, says the Rambam, I do not know the object of the table with the bread upon it continually. I don't know the reason for the Shulchan with the Lechem upon him. And up to this day, I have not been able to assign any reason to this commandment. The Shulchan he can't figure out because the Shulchan does not fit into the Rambam's general principle about sacrifices. Apparently, it was not the, the custom in the idolatrous temples to have a table with, with the 12 breads on it or any amount of breads, which just uh, sat there all the time, eaten on occasion, and then changed for new ones. It doesn't fit into his general principles about the about the uh, about the Mishkan and the Korbanais, and he does uh, he doesn't get it. What's the point? Now perhaps he'll say, why didn't the Rambam come around and say what the Chinuch says? Now, of course, the Rambam uh, the Chinuch lived uh, several hundred years after the Rambam, but still in in Svara, in intellect, why couldn't the Rambam accept what the Chinuch says? Well, I think because if we go back to the Rambam's uh, general principles about Tame HaMitzvahs, we can see that also. If we go back to the very beginning, I believe it's, no, it wouldn't be there, over here. Uh, pardon me, it's in... Pardon me. Oh, the Rambam in 333, pardon me. The Rambam talks in general about the reasons for the mitzvahs. 
I will read it from a different, uh, I'll read it from a printed book. I know what page it's on, pardon me. The Rambam says that there are people who find it difficult to give a reason for any of the commandments. There are people who want to say that the various commandments, the various mitzvahs have no rational basis whatsoever. He talks about why they come to that faulty, false conclusion in his opinion. But he says, that can't be. On the contrary, the sole object of the law of the Torah is to benefit us. And it's to benefit us in ways that are understandable. It's not that the, the purpose of the Torah is to benefit us through certain methods but that we have no idea how they work. No, the Ramam says it must be that the mitzvahs are beneficial in a way that human beings can understand. What's his proof? Because we, we read in Sefer Dvorim, uh, Perik Vav, Pasek Chav Dalet, we read there that um, we read that HaKadosh Baruch who says that when the nations will hear that you're doing the mitzvahs, if you'll do the mitzvahs correctly, you will hear, the nations will hear about this, and they will say, Rak am chacham v'navayn, hagoi hazeh. They will say, what a wise and understanding nation this is. Now, if the mitzvahs have no recognizable benefit, if the reasons for the mitzvahs are something that are completely beyond the, the, the limits of human intellectual capability, then how is it that when we'll, that when we'll do the mitzvahs, the goyim will say, oh, look, what a, what a wise and understanding people they are. If they, if, if what they see what, if they see what we're doing and it looks completely senseless, they're not going to come to the conclusion that, that we are very wise and, uh, and understanding. So it must be, says the Rambam, that the mitzvahs can be understood on a level that is understandable to, to a human being. Now, the Chinuch, if you look at the way the Chinuch explains the mitzvah of Lechem upon him, all he says is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to bless our food. He wanted that our food should be nutritious for us. So therefore, he took the most important of foods, which is bread, and he gave us a mitzvah to do with bread all the time in the base of Mikdash. And when we'll do that mitzvah, so Mida connected Mida, he will bless our bread. Yes, but what is the sense of that mitzvah? The Rambam would say to that, that's very nice, but what are you doing with that bread? Are you doing anything that makes any sense? Uh, you're baking the bread and you're putting it on this table in the base of Mikdash, and it sits there and does nothing for a week. And then when the week's over, you take it off in the Kohanim, we'll get a piece. That, that's not, it's not sensible. That, 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 that has no discernible logic to it. What, what, is the, what are you doing? And therefore, uh, the Rambam would not accept, I believe that's part of the reason why the Rambam could not accept the approach of the Chizkoni. He didn't consider that possibility. And the Rambam comes to the uh, rather startling, startling conclusion that the mitzvah of Lechem upon him stumped him, he could not figure out the reason. So we have the Chinuch's approach, we have what seems to be Rashi's approach, which is essentially the Gemara in Masech the Yoma, although I 
admit my, I admit that I am not uh, 100% sure about that Gemara. And we have the Rambam who comes to a dead end concerning the reason for the Lechem upon him. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.